This is the Young Professionals Podcast, proudly brought to you by Adapt Careers, where we speak with young professionals to understand what they do in their roles day to day, how they got there, and what they've learned along the way. My name is Luke Marriott. And I am Nicholas Sargent, better known as Sarge. And we are your co-hosts. Sarge, what do our listeners need to do? To stay up to date and support what we're doing, please subscribe, like the episode, and leave a comment on any of our social channels. We can't wait to hear from you. Hi guys, Luke and Sarge here and welcome back to another episode of the Young Professionals Podcast. Luke, who do we have on the show today? Sarge, today we're talking with someone who is in the creative space and the video uh, video and photo space, which is really exciting. And that person is Zane Khan, who is the lead video editor and producer at TLA Worldwide, where he works across all areas of the digital content uh, campaign space and publishing to publish, publishing that content to social uh, media across multiple platforms. With a Bachelor of Media and Communications from Swinburne University under his belt, Zane has since directed, shot and edited content for a wide variety of campaigns, including TV commercials and for use on social media and online. Uh, Zane worked on, has worked on some fantastic projects, both domestically and overseas, which is awesome. And they include uh, projects and, and uh, competitions like the ICC Cricket World Cup, the FIFA World Cup, the Australian Open, and many more, which we're really keen to dive into today. Uh, and for a young guy, Zane certainly has covered uh, a lot of ground, including his own uh, business and other things that are outside the immediate scope of what he does day to day in his role. Um, so it's great to have him on and, and talk with him today. Welcome to the show, Zane. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. All right, mate. So we uh, generally like to start off with guests talking about what they're doing in their roles um, on, on a typical day. So why don't you run us through what you're doing at, at TLA and, and what a video producer or video editor does and, and maybe walk us through a normal kind of nine to five or nine to 10 or whatever it actually looks like. Sure. Uh, I'll do my best. Uh, so currently, yeah, I work at TLA, which is a sports marketing agency. And about uh, five, six years ago, they essentially started up a, a digital arm of the business um, that has since grown. And now we have a team of uh, essentially three editors uh, and I'm, and I'm one of those guys where we obviously edit the content, we go out and shoot it. Um, and in some cases on larger, bigger projects, we directed and we were able to kind of increase the scope of um, what we do and have kind of large crews in that, which is really good. And then within that team, we have producers and basically then just account managers and the guys that are, you know, client facing with the actual, clients and then the ones that kind of um, send the work to us as the editors and that. Uh, so a typical day uh, is, is interesting. Uh, currently in this COVID period, um, you know, we'll, we all get together in the morning on a Zoom call or whatever it is on Teams uh, and we go through basically we have, um, you know, our morning whips where we're either working on specific projects, whether that's, um, for example, I might be working on maybe two edits uh, on, on, a, on a given day uh, and I'll you know, run through with my account managers that I'm working on, um, who are dealing with the client directly. And it will either make sure that we have to have a deliverable that day, or it might be a, you know, a, a relatively longer kind of big, a bigger edit where we need maybe two or three days, uh, to, to sit down and, and work through it and, and just kind of churn it out. So that's a typical day. Most of the day, I'm not really, I'm not client facing. I'm more of an actual, as you, as I said, an editor. So I'm the one that's doing doing the work and, and I guess to turning the, either the client's idea or, or our account manager idea who they've pitched into the client into something tangible that, you know, people see on their screens, whether that's um, on TV in some cases, or most of the time it's on online on social media. Zane, what does a deliverable look like for you in your space? I'll use a, I'll use a case study. So uh, for example, 
we just finished up a, a quite a, a big campaign, one of my biggest campaigns that I worked on, um, I guess, to date, which was really exciting. It was um, with VB. Uh, they, you guys might have seen it. They released a, um, basically a men's aftershave. Which is which is pretty cool, and he, as the uh, kind of agency, were involved in. There were two different sections to it. There was actually the idea of creating the bottle, uh, producing that bottle, and and the actual tangible thing that people would obviously buy uh, in store at Chemist Warehouse. And then we're also involved in the actual kind of marketing and how um, we would, I guess, sell that into members of the public. Does the fragrance actually smell like Febe? No, it doesn't smell like beers or hops. Good. Um, yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it's, you know, just the men's aftershave, which they wanted to kind of use to tie in with Father's Day, I believe. So when VB came to say TLA and said, Hey, we want to do this, what does it look like from, I guess, if you want to term it like a project management or whatever the, the terminology is there, how, what are the kind of steps that are broken down when they go, okay, VB says we want to do this. And then they go, we might want to push it onto TV and social media or whatever. How do you break that down from concept to okay, now we need to make the content and then we need to come up with a strategy on where to push it and all that kind of thing. How Do you, do you want to step us through that process? Uh, VB said they wanted to obviously release this aftershave and then we uh, basically the account managers and the, and the kind of content managers came up with a strategy and plan of how that would look like. And then I kind of got involved once, once that had kind of been approved and it, and it got to the stage of actually, all right, we're now going to make a 30-second, 60-second kind of spot and this is the idea we want to go, go, go with. And then I get involved in terms of the actual production side of things of how that's going to, I guess, look. And then, you know, what crew we need, um, what's it going to be shot on, um, all those technical side of things. Um, so the actual idea was because it was, you know, VB is obviously known for beer, it was meant to be a bit of a spoof. So we we got on, on board Harley Breen, who's an Australian comedian, and he was meant to be kind of the face of this new uh, aftershave. Once the guys had kind of pitched that in and, and, and we'd kind of nutted that out. Um, it then kind of came to me and yeah, I was involved in, um, storyboarding it out. So, you know, how, the sh- how, how you want it to look like, what shots we wanted to do. Um, and then, yeah, we worked on that and then obviously came to the day of production and, and then we filmed it uh, during the day and, and that was that. And what's the time frame look like for all of this? So the actual idea I think was, it was discussed last year. And then again, I'm not too sure, uh, what happened in between then, but the idea came through this year and they were like, all right, let's, let's run with it. And, and, and we did. And I guess the timeline was interesting because, you know, the whole, this was during COVID. I think it was, it took a little bit longer than it should, particularly around um, the shooting side of things, because we actually shot it just before stage four restrictions hit. Uh, And so we spent about probably two weeks planning it in terms of storyboarding it out, um, getting all the crew and that organized, um, going back and forth with the client, making sure they were happy with, you know, what, what we were going to shoot and how it was going to look. Uh, and then the added element of speaking to councils, you know, we had our legal team, make sure we had all the relevant documents and paperwork and we had to have a COVID safe work plan and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, it, it was, it was certainly probably longer than it would normally due to all those, the challenges that COVID brought up. Mate, you've got a background in terms of, I guess, a bit of videography and certainly photography that we'll touch on in terms of your, I guess, process, rather progress in terms of how you got here. But what's it like having a background in, say, uh, hobby videography and doing your own thing and then working at a big agency where you get a client that is, you know, a massive brand like VB? I imagine 
the budget goes up from quite like next to nothing to um, quite large. You're probably working with some equipment that you always kind of fantasize about working with. What's it been like, um, I guess, having that freedom, but then also having, I guess, the restriction of, no, this is a corporate um, thing that is very uh, heavily controlled and then particularly in an environment like COVID where you've got to think about how you're controlling the workspace and stuff like that. Um, what's that shift been like? I think, yeah, it's been, it's been really good. You know, when I first obviously started working, I got, you know, TLA was my first job four years ago now and was originally, you know, just taking photos at events. I was running, uh, I ran a small business at the start of high school and that was, you know, fairly basic camera equipment and that. And obviously as the years have gone by, I've been exposed to um, working with, yeah, more, um, you know, big larger projects where you, you have bigger budget to work with, which is great. And you get to work with uh, better gear and more high end stuff, which has been really awesome. Uh, and I think for me, it's just continuing on kind of that path and that evolution of wanting to progress and get uh, work on larger and more high end kind of campaigns and projects that allow us to, you know, utilize um, kind of that more bigger and better gear and stuff like that. So me running my business was, you know, a good start, but I, I kind of knew that um, that wasn't going to, you know, going to be overly sustainable. And I always wanted to work in an actual kind of agency or, you know, a place that kind of uh, has more, I guess, focus on working on actual clients and kind of, you know, high end kind of projects and that sort of stuff. And you spoke about the the fact that you get to use much higher end gear and better gear. What sort of gear are you filming with? And like, what, what tools do you use for your editing? I'll start with the editing. I, I kind of learned my trade uh, and I use Prem, Adobe Premiere Pro and Adobe After Effects. They're my main two tools uh, and they're obviously fairly industry standard. Um, and then from a gear point of view, uh, we currently use Canon uh, C-series cameras. So... Uh, they are, they're, they're kind of a middle ground of, um, you know, they're not, you know, this is getting really technical, but you have, you know, for example, uh, reds and Alexas, which are kind of the, you know, the, the king and the cream of the top, um, of camera gear, which a lot of films and high end, uh, TV season that are filmed on. Uh, and certainly, you know, when we do work on projects that we have access to, you know, higher budget, or we need to kind of produce something that needs to look a certain way, um, that more high end look, then we go out and hire and, um, you know, hire those sort of cameras and that, and that sort of gear. So, uh, it, it's good though. Like, as you said, you know, we don't necessarily, you don't own all the gear, like given it's, you know, it's a very expensive industry with what you use. If you have the budget there, you, you know, you can go out and you hire everything. So it's, it can be really flexible in that way that no matter what it is, you're able to kind of get uh, the gear that you want uh, if you want it to look a certain way. So it's, yeah, it's, it's fairly flexible in that regard. Mate, you touched on, or we touched on in the bio rather, some of the cool projects that you've been able to work on, uh, I think mostly at TLA. Do you want to step through some of the cool experiences that you've had the opportunity to, I guess, have, have, a, have a footprint on and, and what that experience has been like? Sure. Uh, so I guess one of my favorite projects that I worked on was uh, going over to Russia in 2018 for the World Cup. Uh, that was a really awesome experience. Uh, so what, what we had to do was uh, we worked with Caltex, who at the time were a, uh, they were the main sponsor of the Socceroos. They were called the Caltex Socceroos. And essentially Caltex wanted to have a kind of footprint over in, um, over in Russia to kind of have um, content and you know, kind of be able to put stuff on their channels that showcase the members of the public. Oh, you know, Caltex, the main sponsor, they're over there with, um, with our Socceroos, with our football team. So again, what we did is we, 
used Harley Breen again, who another Australian comedian. And and what we wanted to do is we kind of wanted to um, showcase to I guess the members of the public that Harley is a was a you know local Aussie guy who who didn't really know much about uh, soccer or football. And so the idea is that we went over there with him and we uh, travelled around. Russia, we went to all of Australia's three main games um, and their base camp where they were based, which was in Kazan. And we basically had a, what was it, eight-episode series of, of Harley kind of learning uh, the Russian culture, you know, the football, uh, soccer game itself and and things like that, which, which Caltechs were able to share on their channels so, you know, people back here could, you know, look at and kind of see what was going on. So, yeah, but I'll just touch on the, the biggest challenge with that was uh, FIFA obviously is a very big governing body and Caltex actually weren't, um, they're not a like FIFA partner. And so there was a ton of kind of, I guess, red tape and things we had to kind of tip, tiptoe our way through. We weren't actually allowed to mention anything to do with the FIFA World Cup or kind of Russia in the way we, uh, I guess, film the videos and that. And so it was really challenging. And obviously everyone knew that you were over there in Russia, given what was going on, but you just weren't allowed to mention it or show any kind of the branding and that sort of stuff. So it was, that was a real challenge in making sure that we didn't kind of cross that line and, you know, get a cease and assist letter from FIFA all of a sudden. So that was, yeah, it was really cool. Uh, it sounds like a, it sounds like a super project to be involved in. Jumping back a few steps, you did your bachelor of media and communications at Swinburne. Was that always something that was on your radar when you were at school and did that, yeah, was that, did that align with your interests growing up, say year 10, year 11, year 12? Yeah, I don't know about you guys, but uh, for me, I kind of knew, or looking back on it now in hindsight, I kind of knew I was going down a very uh, particular path of, you know, working with cameras and video and, and that sort of stuff from a really young age. You know, I have vivid memories of myself as a kid, you know, filming um, like my sister's birthday parties or home videos, you know, with my parents' old you know, like cassette uh, video uh, recorder thing, you know, when I was like five, five or six. Those little Sony hand cams. Yeah, like, well, yeah, whatever they were. That was at five or six years old. And looking back at that, I'm like, okay, you know, I obviously had an, an interest in this sort of stuff as early as then. And so I think for me, it was, I was on this path. And I guess as I got older, you know, I was able to, um, my, you know, my father bought me, uh, my own camera when I was, I don't know, nine or 10. And I would, you know, I'd muck around with that. I'd take it to school and just film stuff, take photos and, you know, my, my interest and obviously my skill set kind of grew from there and, and I just stuck with it really. Uh, and then saying, where did that come from? Like, I, I assume people don't get, you know, they're not born thinking oh, I'm, I'm going to always take up a camera. Like, was there an influence when you were say four or five, you saw a family member use a camera or something like that? No, I don't think it was a family member. I think it was just, you know, it's weird. I kind of have a the philosophy where I feel like, you know, some people are kind of born to do things. And, you know, in my case, I think, as I said before, when I was four or five, I was filming these videos with my parents' camera. And I guess for me, it was just a very natural thing to do. You know, since then, it, it's just, it's grown and it's always been an interest of mine. So, and I think it was also a matter of kind of being born in the right place at the right time. What's our generation? Are we gen... I think we might be Gen Y and you might be Gen Z. <laughs> we're right oh, on the border. <laughs> okay. So, you know, we were born in that era where kind of we had that access to kind of, you know, old tapes and, you know, but then we also had access to that digital technology was kind of growing. And, you know, I think as a result of being born when we were born, that um, it, it was all of a sudden a lot easier for anyone to kind of get a camera and, you know, film and do their own thing. Whereas you go back early 90s, 80s, even early in that, like only you know, the very um, experienced people or people with a lot of money had access to, you know, cameras and that, and that sort of stuff. 
Saying so, your your interests drove you to start SNK Photography, which which was quite a successful little business for you. <laughs> you Want to chat us through, well, uh, like what what that was like starting that, and what what drove you to do it? Yeah, sure. So that was uh, it was a long time ago now, but that was year nine, I think year ten, and a friend of mine, Lewis, who I worked with, uh, we basically I don't really know what happened, but we were at a party, and I think it was it was the same thing like Facebook had kind of just started becoming a big thing. You know, there was MySpace and then that, you know, Facebook was kind of starting to overtake MySpace. And um, I guess we kind of saw an opportunity to, as people were, you know, getting a more hold of Facebook and utilizing more, they were posting more personal things. And and I guess we thought that people might post photos of their parties on, on Facebook to share with their friends. And so, uh, yeah, year nine or 10, I, I had a camera and Lewis had a camera as well. We both shared a similar interest and it started off, you know, just taking photos at mates, party, close friends as parties. And then we made a Facebook page back in the days where you could, you know, kind of make a Facebook page and the algorithms wouldn't um, kind of change or dictate anything. It was, it was a lot easier and yeah, it, it just grew from there. Do you want to talk through the, I guess the growth of a, a business and the things that you learn from, from running that. And I, I mean, you can get as detailed as, as you want, but I think, you know, if kids are or younger, people are starting out, um, their own business. It, it's probably driven through a passion of say photography, like, like you did, but they probably don't realize that there's all of the kind of tax and financial stuff and other kind of things that you have to deal with as well. How is it? Um, I guess learning that stuff on the fly and, and, um, was that a challenge or did you just kind of take it in stride? It was definitely a challenge. I, I'm not overly a, a very good person with maths and numbers and that, which is obviously why I work in a creative space. And so I mean, it was kind of, it was kind of easy because a lot of it, to be honest, was done in cash. And so no tax bookkeeping. And, you know, I was what, how old were we? 16, 17, you know, <laughs> it was, it was fairly easy to, um, kind of keep a track of weren't dealing with balance sheets or anything like that. But yeah, certainly it was a, it was a learning curve. I'm a very organized person. I certainly wanted to make sure that, um, you know, the books were organized and, and, um, got, uh, you know, fundamentals of the business were run in an organized fashion. And I think certainly, you know, uh, being exposed to that early on um, has helped me, I guess, have an understanding of just business in general, and you know how how capitalism in the system works. If you want to, if you want to say it like that. So yeah, definitely. I think if if you're a, you know, if you're a young kid out there who's taking photos and you know wanting to kind of go down this path, the, the similar path that I have, the sooner that you can expose yourself to, I guess, yeah, running your own shop. If you're a freelancer, um, then the better you are going to be, I guess, later on. And, and when you do, I guess, decide to get a first proper job, if you don't want to, you know, be a freelancer or you want to go down a different route. So yeah, definitely. You obviously gained a lot of experience doing that with SNK photography. How would you compare the experience you gained working on the tools with SNK photography with the theoretical experience you gained in your studies at Swinburne university? Yeah, it was an interesting one because uh, the the degree that I did at Swinburne Media Communications was very broad. Uh, it wasn't. It didn't have anything to do with uh, you know working with cameras or editing or doing any of that sort of stuff. So I was kind of in two minds. And looking back on it, you know, I sometimes wish maybe I should have gone down a different path. But hey, everyone's going to say the same thing, right? But I'd obviously built up the fundamentals and kind of my skill set from just running that, you know, doing that sort of stuff on the side. And I was really cautious of not wanting to kind of narrow myself too much into the field of like being a photographer or like being a videographer. I don't know why I just, I didn't really sit well with me. And so I did media communications because it was, yeah, so broad, I guess. And it had an opportunity to 
not necessarily be the person that's taking photos or doing videos, but I could work in the general marketing role or, you know, be an account manager or something like that. And um, I kind of wish, I don't know if I wish, but looking back on it, I wonder, you know, if, if it was better for me to maybe just have bitten the bullet and, and done like a specific film and television course or, you know, go to film school and, and do something like that. Uh, because, you know, I now have such an interest and in, I guess, um, skill set in actually editing and creating that sort of stuff. So yeah, it's a real tough one. On that breadth point, what types of things were you covering in your media and communications degree? Uh, in the actual degree, it was more around uh, Australian media policy and Australian media law, which is something I actually really did enjoy. M- media law was one of my favourite subjects. I really liked the idea of how um, the Australian media landscape is is governed. You know, you've got the, a- the ACMA, the ACCC, all these governing bodies, and then also, you know, how it's, I guess, run. We have a very, you know, limited kind of media space where you've got, I don't want to get into all these political things, but, you know, there aren't too many, you know, we've got Channel 7, Channel 9, there aren't, you know, there's not tons and tons of media networks and that out there. It's very concentrated. Um, and so I was learning all about that sort of stuff and kind of how that works. And then it was also, as it was kind of, I think it was an arts degree. So I was, I had the opportunity to also do electives such as accounting, which I think I did one accounting subject because I was obviously running a business at the time and I was interested in, in learning a bit more about that. Um, so yeah, it was certainly very varied. In terms of the experience that you got at university, like, would you suggest that someone does go the generalist route, even if they are, say, really interested in, in something specific like photography and videography like you were? Um, or now that you've worked in the industry for a while, would you recommend, well, no, if, you, if you're really sure of that, go and get some um, super specific, uh, I guess, training or uh, qualification? Um, or is it kind of just a case-by-case basis and, and depends on the person? Yeah, I think it certainly depends on the person. I mean, not to simplify, but I kind of think there are you know, there are kind of two kinds of people, uh, whether it, you're in high school or, or whether it's in uni, you know. I was obviously the sort of person that knew very early on what I wanted to do. And so I guess I was very driven in that sense of, wanting to make sure that I, I went to uni straight away. Um, you know, I, I ticked the box, I got the degree, I built up obviously running a business at the time where I had a skill set, and then I wanted to get a job straight away and just get straight into things. Obviously, I'm sure you guys are in a similar position with friends or people you know that there are others that don't necessarily know what they want to do or, you know, they don't have a, a particular interest, whether that's in school or at university. And so they, they do a generic sort of degree or they go traveling and take a gap year for a year or so. So... I definitely think it depends on the person, but, um, and I'm certainly the sort of person that when I finished school, I just wanted to get everything done straight away and kind of get straight into it. And so if you have an interest, I guess my recommendation would be that is to pursue it straight away and, and just get cracking and go straight into it. It seems that the, and certainly just for me being an outsider, it might be wrong, but, um, compared to say other industries like, I don't know, going into a, an accounting firm or a law firm or something like that, where it's a lot uh, pretty regimented in terms of the, the process to get in. What does it look like trying to get into the creative field? And in terms of that, like how can students reach out to people to find out what that process looks like in terms of hiring opportunities for juniors and, and things like that? What does that um, process look like for someone coming out of uni, for example? Yeah, it's a really good question. As you said, you know, you being a lawyer or a doctor, it's, there's a lot more structured pathway. For me, when I got the, how I got my first job was actually reaching out uh, to an old friend who was working at uh, TLA at the time. And um, not unfortunately, but in most cases, we live in a world where 
you can get opportunities through people you know. Um, and so certainly, again, a big recommendation from me, if you know, if there was a kid out there, someone young who's looking at getting their first job is, you know, utilize the people that you know, because that's a, that's a, it's going to be a really powerful thing. And in my case, it, and it worked out really well and I managed to get a job, a job through it. But, you know, if you're an editor or you're a videographer and you're wanting to kind of get into a, an agency or work, work in a similar role that I do, I think, uh, you need to certainly have some form of, uh, CV, whether that be like a website or, a, you know, obviously a showreel, you know, what we do is, you know, pretty much purely visual. So you need to have something to show, uh, and, you know, obviously when you first out, you're not expected to have this amazing showreel or, or, um, you know, this amazing piece of work. But I guess the good thing with, with editing is that it's not necessarily what it's more, it's more about understanding the fundamentals of using the software. So for example, you know, you can, you can, if you're an editor, you, you can edit and you can create anything or you can go on YouTube and you could, you know, find an episode of friends or something if you wanted to, and you could edit it in a creative way and, you know, just make something really cool. So it, it's not necessarily about the work that you have already at the age of 17, 18, however old you are, but it's about what you can kind of do with um, the content that you're exposed to, I guess. And, create something that's engaging, if that makes sense. On, on that Zane, what are, what are some key skills or yeah, key skills of an editor? Like what, 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 what makes a good editor? Yeah, that's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think pretty early on as an editor, you find out what your strengths and weaknesses are. So I think gone are the days of when you could simply just edit something in a linear fashion and just put it on a timeline and export it out. You know, we're living in a world where certainly I guess most people consume their information and their media through social media and so scrolling on their phone or whatever. And so as a result of that, I think a lot of people's attention spans are quite short because, you know, we're just exposed to so much and you need to create something that's, you know, going to essentially stop someone from scrolling, right. And get them to engage with that video for 10, 20 seconds, however long it is. And so uh, I think what makes a good editor in, in this day and age, given so much of it is kind of hybrid now, you're not, you're not, unless you get up to really high end films and that of it being a lot more structured where you, you're solely, you know, you're solely an offline editor, solely a motion graphics artist. You kind of need to have a combination of all these kind of skills yourself. So for example, working in premiere, which is what I work in, it's not probably not enough to simply just be able to edit. You need to have exposure to After Effects, which is a really powerful software and being able to create 2D text animation, 3D text animation, you know, rotoscoping, uh, doing compositions, all sorts of things, making, you know, um, slates at the start of videos and slates and just basic animation and stuff like that. Um, you know, that's the sort of stuff that's really going to separate you from, from those who would, can just, I guess, you know, edit something in a linear fashion. Yeah, I guess that would be my word of advice is get yourself stuck into a program like After Effects or animation software as quickly as you can. On that, Zane, I think the appeal to me from an outsider's perspective, again, is that if you, all you need is a a showreel that is, you know, impressive and can show your skills to kind of get your foot in the door somewhere. It seems that it's a quite a low threshold to attain that experience. So it might be, you know, a subscription to Adobe to get the software or whatever it might be. I assume there's kind of student subscriptions as well, but have you used things like, um, I don't know, Udemy and Skillshare and YouTube and all that kind of stuff where it's relatively low cost, but you can essentially get very good at a skill that you can apply straight away and then um, use that to get your foot in the door in an interview somewhere. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, when I first started, the the guy that I worked with who got me the job, his name's Guy and he obviously was 
he's, he's a couple of years older than me. So he naturally was, you know, ahead of me in, in, um, in the editing space. And so I guess before I talk about like, yeah, utilizing YouTube and those sort of things, I guess if you can find someone first who I guess can act as a mentor. And I was pretty lucky that guy obviously had exposure to After Effects. And so because it was me and him, there were two of us working once I got the job, essentially, you know, I guess my learning was just absolutely leapfrogged in six months. I'd kind of caught up to, I guess, where guy was because I was just exposed to um, having to use After Effects um, and programs like that straight away. Um, And I was lucky enough to, you know, have guy, and I could lean on him and he could, he told me, you know, how, how to approach things. And the biggest thing was actually, and I think this, and any editor will appreciate this is I guess having access to um, the project files itself. I guess project files are kind of like the, the secret code um, of how something is made. And so if you can kind of get access to something like that and you can kind of see how it's been made, certainly as an editor, you can understand and you can learn, okay, that makes sense as to how you manage to get, make it look like this, this effect, etc etc but yeah going back to now to talking about youtube and websites uh like that certainly i've used youtube um you know googling just quick things in after effects that either i forget or if you if you're wanting to certainly increase your skill skill set on a in a program like after effects that's relatively free in terms of youtube you know you don't need to pay anything to use it there's there's tons and tons of content and tutorials and videos out there on a program such as after effects so 100 percent on the on that saying, what's the most useful thing you've learned off YouTube? I think it's just like basics. Like for example, keyboard shortcuts. What we do is it's all about kind of efficiency and maximizing your time. You know, if if you know, you know, it's going to take eight hours to edit, say like a two minute two minute content piece with a bit of overlay on it. You need to put some, um, you know, a super at the start, a start slate, an end slate, a bit of animation. If you can understand the keyboard shortcuts and and really get your head around utilizing those sort of things, you can go from editing that video in eight hours down to maybe, you know, it'll take you five or six hours. And I'm a big believer in efficiency. And yeah, if you can get stuff like that, which is pretty basic, you know, keyboard shortcut, it's you're going to go a long way. I think that keyboard shortcuts tip, applies to anyone in any industry. Like I spend a fair bit of my time in Excel and I tell you what, using a mouse and clicking on the buttons takes so much longer than using the keyboard shortcuts. Definitely a hundred percent. It's, it's can transfer to anything. I think. Man, I think, it, it, oh, I don't think in, in my spare time, I spend a lot of time on YouTube and, and watching kind of creatives. And I think it's awesome. Is there anyone that you found particularly on that platform or any other platform that you're like, Oh, particularly when you're earlier on, you're like, Oh, you're doing awesome things. I, I am going to kind of try and emulate some of the things that you're doing. Has there been anyone that kind of comes to mind? Uh, no, there isn't anyone that comes to mind. It's, it's just, it's just, it's just really good being able to, like, you can honestly just type in anything and in the respective after effects, like there's pretty much any video on whatever your issue is. Um, so no, there isn't anyone that comes to mind or that's kind of serves as an inspiration, but certainly, you know, Instagram is a very powerful tool in for good and bad reasons. It's, it's there's tons of inspiration you can find on there from an editing point of view, but also, uh, I can also, I also find it quite toxic because you then start to, you know, you start to compare yourself with others out there and you can kind of get in a really dark rabbit hole. Mm. Um, yeah, there isn't anyone in particular. No. I think that's, that's refreshing to hear. Cause I think a lot of people kind of, you know, peg themselves to someone. And as you say, it can get quite toxic if you don't, if you think that that's something that you're trying to achieve and you don't get there for whatever reason, it's like, Oh, I've failed. But yeah, I think that's cool that you've kind of just taken little bits and pieces from everywhere and just applied it to you, to your work. Um, 
let's move forward a little bit back to kind of come full circle to your job at TLA. We didn't really talk about, I guess, the cool things that you get to do. Obviously, we spoke about Russia, but do you want to talk about some of the other projects that you've been able to work on pre-COVID, obviously? Um, and then, I guess, give a bit of color to the opportunities that are there, you know, in the sporting industry or any really industry when you're creating content for the companies and brands that are around the world. So, yeah, so I guess... Uh, where I work at TLA, we're exposed to a lot of clients that play in the sporting space. Um, and so given we're at, at the core, we're a sports marketing agency. So we deal with, um, you know, we work with Cricket Australia, NAB, um, CUB, uh, these, you know, fairly large clients that all have an involvement in sport, um, which is really exciting. And so I guess some of my favorite projects that I've had the opportunity to work on, obviously the one in Russia was probably the best. I've got the VB Thirst, which was really good. Um, but also, uh, yeah, we did a campaign for Corona, I think it was oh, 2017 and they, they did a campaign called what's on your bucket list where I think what happened was, you know, if you bought a, um, you had to buy a slab of Corona's or whatever, and then, um, you basically wrote what was on your bucket list and they got X amount of responses. And one of them was, I think to have your favorite band, like have a private band, you know, with your favorite band. And so what they ended up being was they got client liaison, um, quite a cult Australian, you know, band figure for us young people. And they hosted a party on a private boat out in Sydney Harbor. And we were involved in, um, I guess, creating a content piece around it that promoted that and showed off, um, that bucket list moment. So that was really exciting. Um, from an actual production point of view, there were, how do we structure it? So, we were obviously based in Melbourne, so we flew up, um, I think, a night or two before with myself and, a, and my producer, uh, Charlie, at the time. And then we had another camo with us. So there were two cam camos and um, Charlie is the producer. And we just, yeah, we went out and we filmed um, basically this, this awesome event, um, which was really cool. They wanted to post it the next day. So we had to, I think we stayed up, you know, most of the night and I, and I did a first draft um, sent it off to them and then there was a few rounds of feedback the next day and then they posted it the next day because um, it had to be obviously um, pretty uh, topical. Quick turnaround times. Yeah, very quick turnaround times, which, you know, which is, I guess, the same in any sort of industry. There's Everyone has quick turnaround times. But, uh, yeah, that, that corona campaign was really cool. That was really fun to do. Zane, what, what advice would you have for students who are looking to get into the editing editing producing space? Uh, advice I would have is, well, from an editing point of view, just start editing anything. You know, if, if you have an interest in it, just have a crack early, you know, familiarize yourself with the software, whether that's Premiere or it's Final Cut, uh, Avid Media Composer, there's tons of them out there, but obviously Premiere is, I guess, the more most people use um, at this level. And then from a producing point of view is, yeah, it's an interesting one. It's, um, I guess, same thing. If you're, you know, if you're a videographer, you kind of, you act as a producer if you're a freelancer in most of the stuff you do. And so if you're, yeah, if you're working as a freelancer or you're just kind of shooting stuff yourself, you in a way you're already acting as a producer, whether that's organizing, you know, shot lists, storyboards, or you're getting permits from a council or you you know, you just need to organize logistics in general. Any form of that is, is going to help you um, when you land a full-time job or you, yeah, whatever it is you want to end up doing. And I would imagine the second to that is obviously get your hands dirty in terms of what you're creating. But then I, I would imagine then the second part of that is put it out there. So maybe like a YouTube channel or a, a show reel or whatever you're saying. Um, would that be a, a next logical step? 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Get it out there for people to see, you know, no one's going to see it if you don't share it. Um, and that's just the nature of, I guess what we do is, yeah, it's so visualized based. You have to, you got to share it. You got to put it out there for people to see it. So a hundred percent, that's, it's a great thing to do. No, man, I think that's a good place to, to leave it and a really good point for anyone really. Like if you've got work, um, and that can be, I don't know, in, in science or law or, or accounting or, um, the creative space, if you, if you're doing stuff and producing it, don't just put it on the shelf and, and not let anyone see it, put it out there and, and see what people think about it. Um, but mate, no, thank you very much for coming on the show today. It's been awesome to have a chat with you. Uh, and I'm sure that there's a lot of, uh, good little bits and tips there that people can take away, uh, particularly ones that are trying to get into the corporate space. So, uh, uh, sorry, creative space rather. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you have a profession you would like to know more about a question you would like us to ask or a story you would like to tell, please reach out to us on the social channels at either the young professionals podcast, TYPPAU or our personal profiles. We'd love to hear from you.